Are you ready to learn more about promoting play, defending childhood, empowering caregivers? Save 10% on professional development at explorationsearlylearning.com and support the show with the coupon code OOL. Click the link in the show notes to browse upcoming trainings. Hello, and welcome back to Out of Line. I'm Annie Friday, and today I am joined by a guest, um, Miss Latoya Nelson. Latoya, will you please introduce yourself and share all the many hats that you wear and jobs that you perform and where uh, we can find you? Certainly. I am Latoya Nelson. I am a Philadelphia native. Right now, I am living in middle Georgia. Um, presently, I am a K-5 to um, classroom teacher. I work in an autism classroom, and I also do some coaching and just um, professional development facilitating on the side, primarily around conscious discipline, as well as trauma-informed education. And I am in the process of opening a micro school or self-directed education facility, the Attuned um, Community School, which is set to open in fall of 2023. That is so exciting. Say the name of the school again. The Attuned Community School. The Attuned Community. Awesome. Oh my gosh. And that is like the perfect name for you because I, um, we we're coming here to talk about relationships because you share a lot on your Instagram about how important, um, not how important, but just how essential, like it's a key component to functioning well when working with young people. Right. And, um, it seems like it's undervalued in, education and teacher education and teacher preparation, um, just in general in the classroom and in, in typical schools. Tell me a little bit about that. How did that come to be a particular passion point for you? So for me, um, when I started teaching, um, I had already been in like numerous um, careers already. And um, honestly, I was trying to get my student loans paid off. So I was like, why not join like one of those teacher programs? Um, and so I joined um, Teach for America. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, not going to go into all the ins and outs of that. But um, when I got into the classroom, I just didn't all the way feel prepared um, to meet the needs of the students that I was dealing with. Um, And if you know anything about any of those fellowships or programs, they primarily go into urban areas um, where there are a lot of high needs, lots of high turnover. And so I just wasn't necessarily you know, I'm I'm just trying to navigate it in the way that they taught me, you know, classroom mm-hmm. management and, you know, all these things you read, like Ron Clark and nonsense nurturing and just all these things. And I'm like, I am a mom <laughs> and, you know, I have a child who struggled in school. And so, like, how can I approach this from, you know, a different lens? Because what I am doing, it's not working and it doesn't feel natural um, to me. And, um, ever since I was little, I, when I was a kid, I loved kids. Um, and um, my best friend jokingly calls me the child whisperer. Um, and so I was like, let me just be myself, you know, instead of trying to go by these books, instead of trying to do all these things, let me just be myself. And when I was myself was when I saw my classroom flourish. And mm-hmm. so 
really my philosophy kind of lends from my own experiences um, in that first year in that classroom. And then as I, you know, progressed in my years of teaching. Yeah, like when you feel the connection, you don't have to like have it proven any other way because you you feel the difference and, and it's such just things come together like that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had a post recently that talked about the feeling that some some professionals in, in their whatever caregiver, teacher-like roles, educator roles, um, have this thing right now that are like, relationships aren't working. People keep saying, go back to the relationship. It's not working. These kids are out of control. Like that's kind of a common refrain you're hearing. I hear, I see on social media, like teachers, like, I'm just kind of like, are teachers okay? Like I'm not really involved with them that much anymore. And, um, these kids are out of control, but like, like, where are you in all of that? And like, what does that mean? (laughs) I will tell you that teachers are not okay. Um, We are not okay. And I think it's so easy when you're in those trenches and you are just so overwhelmed. I always say, just like even when you're a parent, right? It's very easy to be a traditional parent, to take things away, to remove things, to be punitive, right? Because you can just kind of forget the situation. You don't have to work through it. It's like, oh, you didn't follow that direction. I'm taking your game away versus having a drawn out conversation, you being accountable for your emotions, teaching your child to be accountable. Um, So it's so much easier to be in a classroom and to blame parents, to blame children, to blame communities. Um, And I don't think it's, I think people are, I think they have good intentions, but they're unintentionally holding on to stereotypes because when you're that overwhelmed, you want to find something. You need to feel validated. So you want to find something to place the blame on. And honestly, in a society that doesn't value children, it's very easy to blame children, to make them the inconvenience. And so it's easy to say that they are out of control when really they're just mimicking all the things that they see around them. They haven't been here that long. Um, and so um, they, you know, we can hold children accountable without being carceral or punitive or attacking their very nature. Um, but I think that comes with a lot of unlearning. And I, I will say that I wasn't always there, but I think that's just kind of where people are. And, you know, you've been in a classroom and, you know, I'm in a classroom and we're constantly being thrown, try this strategy, try that strategy, mm-hmm. add this to your toolbox, do this, try this, all these quick fixes to kind of align with like a Western social appropriate norm rather than considering considering some of the like cultural aspects of what it means to have a relationship and what that might look like. Mm-hmm. And cultural doesn't always mean even race. It can be gender, it can be social class, all those things. Um, but people are just like, you know, we kind of stick to what we find is the norm. And that's who's writing these books and who's selling this curriculum. And so everyone feels burnt out because they're like, well, I'm doing the second step. I'm doing it. I'm trying it. It's not working. And of course it's not because it's being weaponized. You know, the idea is I teach you this skill. So when you're angry, 
then you should be calming down. Why aren't you breathing? Why aren't you counting? Why aren't you looking for those colors? You know, calm, calm down, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> you know, like, so it's just like, you know, like when I'm pissed off, I don't want anyone telling me to breathe. Like, oh you God. know, like right? Yeah, it always works out really well when you tell someone upset <laughs> to calm down. So, you know, it's just like everyone's just looking. It's easier to just to make them the scapegoat, and I. I you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I feel like that's where we're leaning. Like, you know, there was a woman who made a post. It's like viral now. Um, so it's public. It's out there. And she just was saying how the children are so apathetic. You know, you know, teachers aren't leaving because of behavior. Teachers are leaving because these kids are so apathetic. And I'm like, wouldn't you be apathetic if all you do is come to school and have people talk at you? You know, they're on social media. They have access to social media and all they see is people, the adults who say they care about them and love them complaining about them constantly mm-hmm. all the time. They're the brunt of jokes. And then they've got school shootings to worry about. They've got just, you know, life to worry about. Mm-hmm. They live through a pandemic, you know, like all these things. And they're like five, six, maybe 12, 13 years old. And they're expected to have like these super high, you know, these expectations are so high and no one's teaching them. You know, we, we've kind of, as adults, we're like, feel like we're entitled to their gratitude, entitled to their engagement. But when they in turn display those same entitlement behaviors, then everyone wants to say that the children are entitled. Um, And so it's just, it's very cyclical and complex. It, it, It really is. And I think we're just all at a point where maybe we're burnt out um, and something has to give. Yeah. So many, I think of what you just described. I mean, there's a lot, a lot to unpack there, but (laughs) um, you know, one of the things I think that came out of that was like, we have this innate adultism that we've, we've all been children at some point in our lives, right? We were all once young before we became adults. Um, and so we experienced this type of oppression, this type of conditional relationship, right? Like most of the relationships adults have with kids are very conditional mm-hmm. and um, not authentic, right? And that's what you were just not describing when kids can smell BS a mile away, right? And certainly. like you, you manipulating me through my behavior to do what you want that's not an authentic relationship and they know that. Uh-huh. And, and all of those expectations, all of that restraint, we just did an episode recently with Kisa Marks from Kid Crew Adventures about all the restraint kids have to have during the day. And, uh-huh. um, you know, the emotions, like you, you make the point, we feel entitled to their emotions. Like it, it's such an interesting view that we have as just the adults. And, and yes, we're not really taught effectively how to manage a classroom beforehand, how to, how to handle those kinds of traumas and triggers and emotions that come in the classroom with a kid. And here we are showing up and saying like, here's, we're going to learn about the Pythagorean theorem today because that's what's on our agenda. (laughs) It has nothing to do. Like kids have to be ready to learn, not just whenever, but whatever we throw at them in a day. Cause they don't know what's on the like itinerary (laughs) in grade school. It's show up and learn whatever we're teaching today. Um, so how do you make that switch or how do you recommend, like you, you mentioned that you use, I'm sure some conventional teaching 
tools that were recommended for classroom management prior to your knowledge on conscious discipline and this relationship-based kind of model? Um, How did you make the switch? How would you recommend to teachers to start making that switch? I think I'm just thinking just where I was um, during that time when I first started teaching. I definitely was not a conscious parent, had no idea about conscious discipline. I was just kind of like in the trenches with my own kids and in the trenches with my students. And I was just like, you know what, like, what would I have needed? You know, um, I started learning a lot during that time about like my inner child and and healing that wound that was in me. And I just Mm. said, what would I have needed, you know, in this moment? Like, how would I want someone to talk to me? And not really how would I want someone to treat me because we all want to be treated differently and how I may want to be treated. You may think that's mistreatment and, and vice versa. So I'm just thought about like, what would I have needed in this moment? And I kind of just one day had what I call a come to Jesus moment. I was like, what is it that you, you know, you need from me? Because obviously this isn't working for any of us. Um, So what is it that you need from me? And I just kind of led with that. And I just, I honestly just treated them like I treated my own children. And how would I want someone to ask the kids that? Yeah, I stopped and said, what do you guys need from me? What is it that you need? And I mean, I think they were blindsided because they're like, what? Revolutionary. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Uh, Like, what are you talking about? What do we need? Like, you tell us what we need. I'm like, no, no, I don't. Um, And so we just, I just kind of led with that. And I think that was one of like those paradigm shifts for me. And I just, even with my own children, um, I was kind of struggling. And so I just was like, this is not working. Like, this is not working at home. This is not, like, I really need to, like, shift my mindset. Um, And I just started doing some of that work, started doing some of that reading, started going to therapy, honestly, Um, and just kind of unpacking all those little triggers and wounds for me. And I've never had a problem building rapport um, with my students or with my families or with anyone that's just my nature. Um, I'm very (laughs) much into like Zodiac and all those things. And I am a cancer. And so cancers are like the mother of the Zodiac sign. And so I just embraced who I was and, Mm. and I led with that. And I think ultimately, I think that's what teachers need to realize. Like a lot of people come to me and they ask me questions. They're like, can you hold it? I'm like, I cannot hold a webinar on how to teach you how to be like a nice human. Like, you know, like all you, I can't, there's nothing I can write in a book to give you, you know, all of this is a mindset shift. And when I kind of hold webinars, it's more of me having those conversations. Like this has nothing to do with children and everything to do with you and how you view children and how you view discipline. And that's the hard work is really getting your mind to shift Um, because it's very easy, you know, to be a traditional disciplinary, disciplinary. It's very hard to do this work of gentle response, whatever you want to call it. Um, It's very hard to hold yourself accountable, to hold yourself responsible for your own emotions, not saying things like, well, you made me mad or, you know, like, okay, someone can do something that upsets me, but it's still my responsibility and how I react. And so um, I just always tell people to 
it's a mindset shift. And so honestly, the start of that likely is reading, journaling, therapy, um, documenting your triggers, like what triggers you? And think about when you were a kid, how did someone respond to you? Is that why you're responding that way? You know, crying used to be a major trigger for me. Um, and, and it's something I still work through um, because, you know, you're crying for no reason. No one's crying for no reason. <laughs> um, there's always a reason why. Um, and so I had to realize, like, that was said to me a lot as a child. And I was silent. You know, my, my mom did the best that she knew how. And I'm sure the teachers, then they did what they knew to do. Um, but that is why I'm responding that way. Um, but how did it make me feel in those moments? I didn't feel good. I felt unheard and it made me want to cry more. Um, and oh so my I kind of just lead with that. I will say it does. It takes a lot of journaling. It takes a lot of building your self-awareness and that, you know, journaling can really do that. Like if I'm, if something really infuriates me or trigger something in me, whether it's sadness, whether it's irritation, I try and like write that down. And like I said, when I get a moment to reflect, I try and go back to that and think like what was happening during that time? Like how did my body feel? What memories kind of arose that I didn't even realize um, were like surfacing and then working through those. And that's really how you start to shift your mindset. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. You said come to Jesus. So all I can say is amen. Amen. I mean, seriously, that is like, it, like it's such a perfect response to these kids are out of control because we want to shift the blame to the kids or the parents. That's another thing we're hearing a lot right now from teachers. Right. Um, but the work is on us to like dig into what, why are we holding those beliefs and where is it living and being curious with our own emotions or activation points, like, um, you know, um, who, who am I thinking of? Um, anyways, uh, pain points, Akila Richards calls them pain points. Um, you know, these, these moments that like catch us up a little bit. Right. And, and once mm -hmm. you're not living, I think for so many of us living through the pandemic and working with kids, we were all really at a high state of, of, you know, we we're operating on an already elevated level of stress and <laughs> Absolutely. right. Like, so it's so much harder to access all of this um, personal work when you're already in a, in a, your nervous system's already kind of on high alert. Um, so yeah, like, and, and we're telling kids to breathe and we're like, breathe, breathe. <laughs> like, our face <laughs> is turning purple because we're not breathing. It doesn't work. <laughs> Um, so tell me about how you came to know about conscious discipline, where you came across it, how long you've been doing it. Cause I know it was something I was skeptical of at first. Cause it looks, looks a little gimmicky when you first approach it, very much relationship based. Right. And it does, it definitely does. When I first saw, like, I first learned about conscious discipline really when I was transitioning for my own child I was trying to operate from like a without sharing you know I believe my children's stories are theirs to share um but I was kind of operating from like we we are a blended family we are an adopted family and so you know going through some coursework based around trauma um and I was in grad school at the time 
And I decided to, I was like, my daughter is like giving these people heck up in this place. Like I need to figure out, like they're asking me, I don't even know what to tell them. Um, so I was like, but what I'm doing at home is not working. And so I was like, I have to figure out something else. And I just started reading and researching just different techniques um, just to navigate with children who might be like, um, whether they're in foster care, whether in kinship care, um, whether they have experienced some sort of medical, um, you know, disaster or whatever, like how do people operate when they're navigating big traumatic experiences like that? Um, and so I was like, oh, like this is cool. But there were still aspects that I didn't necessarily agree with because um, I had started reading like some of Nancy Thomas's work. I was like, some of this is a little extreme. Um, but, um, and so I found a group on Facebook um, and she's also on Instagram, Parenting Decolonized um, and Conscious Parenting for the Culture. Mm, um, and they specifically them. work with Black families because in our culture, it just with the historical trauma um, and some of the racial trauma, it is very likely that we are going to traditionally parent um, because that's what we know. Um, and, and a lot of people are parenting from survival. Um, and so it's like, I need my child to survive. Um, I need them to not be hurt. I need them to be obedient and compliant and conform because I don't want them to experience it's really survival. Like I'm trying to protect you. Um, but at the end of the day, we are also doing harm. And so I had to learn like, how can I protect you? Um, but also mother you. Um, and so, mm -hmm. um, that's kind of where that work began for me. And I began, especially because I am the way that I became a parent is not traditional. So I kind of learned about like what we call, um, in the Black community, other mothering. Um, and I actually am curating like a post about that right now about using other mothering in place of um, social emotional learning um, in schools. And if we operate mm. from that relationship based type of strategy or technique that is also common um, in our culture, because Let's be real, most of the time when we're talking about SEL, it's in schools that have high populations of black and brown students. And so And it's being weaponized and it is as a punishment. Severely, and severely weaponized and it's pun become punitive mm -hmm. instead of helping because it's like, oh, you're not using the strategy, so then you must be choosing, you know, not to and you're manipulating. Yeah, yeah, and so now choice. you're yeah, oh. and so now you're being punished. Um and so I kind of got into that and that's really what started, started my journey and where I kind of picked up and I just said, these, these babies, they just need to be loved. And we're talking about trauma at home, but we're not talking about trauma that they're facing at school mm -hmm. where we're either traumatizing them or re-traumatizing them because not every home it's traumatizing. Being in poverty is not traumatizing for everyone because just because you don't have money doesn't mean that you don't have family, that you don't have community, that you don't have strong ties, that you aren't building resilience. Um, and so I, I just kind of started 
just thinking about my own stuff, you know, I didn't grow up with a whole lot of money, <laughs> but, you know, and I didn't grow up in the best neighborhood, but um, I had lots of other mothers mm-hmm. and lots of extended family and fictive kin and people who loved on me and who pushed me and who helped me. And I was like, that is what I, our children need because they are obviously saying, hey, see me, hear me, validate me, and we are punishing them instead. Well, and that other mother approach, um, you do approach with a little bit more of that unconditional aspect that comes with being a a parent, right? Like there's a little bit more, it comes a little more naturally when it's your own kids, hopefully for for some people, not for all. Um, But I know that's a concept we talk about, our, our learning community is so small, that I'm like, you know, this is it. Like these are the the kids that we're going to grow up with. Like these are all mm-hmm. of our children at this point. Like Absolutely. we're all invested in in watching them succeed. And it doesn't become, you know, in my background, it um, most recently was childcare, and and you see a lot of parents get really high emotions running when something happens, like especially like biting or some some sort of challenging behavior that puts their kid at at some sort of risk. Usually not a huge risk, not life and death risk, but Right. risk of being hurt and that brings up big emotions in, in in parents and they kind of get wild sometimes like you like go after like three-year-olds and they're like get that get out of the program right like that's why there's so much expulsion at that level because the the parents get so worked up about it and demand that they that child be expelled removed instead of working through that and so looking at it as like but this is collectively our problem like we're all going to learn through mm-hmm. solving this and and that that sounds very similar to that concept of other mother that you're presenting. And I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think just like in reflecting, you know, it's very easy to look. And like you said, for some, not for all, it's very easy to love your own children and to have expectations of how people should treat your children, even with conscious discipline. You know, we talk about this and I'm, unpack this a lot in some of those groups that I'm in where people are conscious with their kids but they don't necessarily know how to be conscious with others Mm -hmm. um and some people really struggle because classroom sizes are large you know and there are lots of big emotions in there and it can be very hard to try and implement these strategies when you have the constant pacing guy looming over your head and standardized testing and someone's observing you um, but I always say you you control what you can. And and what I can control is me and what I can control is my reactions. Mm-hmm. I can't control a lot of those other things, even though we're working hard within this system, you know, to break it down and to dismantle it. I, I, I can't control that right now in this moment. But what I can control is how I'm responding to you. Mm-hmm. What I can control is how I teach you or model to you rather Um, because I think that's the large part that people forget. I can't just tell you to do something. I have to model that. So when I'm infuriated, I've got to model that breathing. I can't just say, breathe right now. (laughs) I've got to model taking those deep breaths and I've got to narrate. And I I think that's the part that's often lost. Um, It's very, very hard to to lose it. Well, narrating and, and being vulnerable and apologizing your way, like stumbling your way through with along with your children or students, um, that's the hard part, right? That's when it's like 
you kind of have to admit to the young people you're supposed to be the steward of that you're you're not really sure where this boat's going. We're just going to try it together. And um, oh, well, I love what you're doing. I, I mean, it's everything you just said. I, I don't mean to make light of teachers in the situation they're in, because I do think teachers have it really hard right now and a lot of pressure coming from a lot of different angles. Um, but I think, you know, your words just brought more and newer meaning to the the need to have relationships really centered in classrooms. And so Absolutely. Um, it sounds like you're able to help people maybe do that. And you're studying right now and you're putting together, you know, people who are working within the system are wonderful. You're also, it sounds like putting together an option for people who are ready to leave the system. So again, remind us all your projects and where we can find you. You have been such a lovely guest, Latoya. I'm excited to see where you go. Um, Share again where we can find you. You can find me at raising uh, underscore underscore resilience on Instagram. You can also find me at the Attuned Community School on both Instagram and Facebook. Um, I am still working on all of that, but those are primarily where you can see any of my work being done. Wonderful. Are you enrolling yet? Do you have families enrolled? We are getting ready to launch our enrollment process. I do have a few families who have been anxiously waiting for me um, to to put all those things out there. And so I'm super excited um, to get that ball rolling. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Well, I look forward to following your journey. Thank you so much for joining us on Out of Line. Um, I Yeah, this is such important content. I just, thank you. You're welcome. Thank okay. you for having me. Bye-bye. It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Explorations Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.